All right, hello, and thank you for tuning in to today's special segment. My name is Brandon Mita, and I'm a shareholder with Littler's Washington, D.C. office. So as part of our conclusion to Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander Heritage Month, we thought it would be great to have a discussion with several of our Littler attorneys and Ohana members about the topic of servant leadership and specifically how that ties into the month's theme, advancing leadership through opportunity. There are a great many articles out there describing servant leadership with a number of them outlining key features that make someone truly a, a wonderful servant leader. And so today we're focusing on some of the characteristics of what makes a servant leader, and in particular, talking about leadership through the lens of our attorneys who engage in some very remarkable community service and nonprofit endeavors. So with that, let me introduce my distinguished guests. First, we have Nicole Lefebvre, and Nicole is a shareholder in our Austin office. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Brandon. Thanks for having me. And next, we have James Lee, and James is an associate in our Philadelphia office. Hi, James. Hi, everybody. And last but not, certainly but not least, Irvi Marolia. Irvi is an associate in our Houston office. Hi, Irvi. Hi, Brandon. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So to kick off this conversation, uh, just giving a little bit of background on myself, you know, I, uh, in addition to being an attorney at Littler, you know, I also do a lot of uh, community service work and involved in a lot of nonprofits. And in fact, too, I was uh, or am pro bono general counsel for. So I really wanted to, you know, also just highlight some of the amazing work that we do outside of the office. And I thought you three have been fantastic examples of that. So I'm really, truly pleased to just be able to talk with you about your experiences outside of the office and what you do. So with that said, let's start with Ruvian. Would you tell our listeners the names of the organizations or groups that uh, you've been active with and, and give us a little bit of flavor of their mission? Sure. So some of the ones that I've been active with have been over the span of my legal career, as well as when I was in law school. Currently, I serve as a co-chair on the Houston Young Lawyers Diversity and Inclusion Committee. I've had that position for the last two years, and I'm going to start again as co-chair for this following year as well. The mission of this organization is the goal of leading within the Houston area learning, networking, and serving our community through several pro bono opportunities and other outreach programs specifically targeted towards younger lawyers within the Houston area. In addition, I've been active with the Garland Walker Inn of Court here in Houston. Membership consists of federal, state, appellate court judges, lawyers, district attorneys, and other just law professionals in the area. The mission is to sensitize its members to professionalism, courtesy, and ethics in the practice of the law. And finally, one of the ones that I'm actually really excited about is my first year as a member of the Knight Court, which is Houston's premier all-lawyer theater company. So what we do is perform an original musical comedy, and all the proceeds go towards charities. This year, we're raising money for charities that aid victims of domestic abuse, veterans, children, and others in need. In the last 30 years of the Knight Court, the organization has contributed over $1.4 million in charity. So I'm very excited to join this cast, put together an original comedy here in August and be a member, hopefully, for many years to come. Well, I hope some of our listeners will be able to go down and, and see that performance. That sounds really wonderful. 
James, let's turn to you now. Uh, I know, you know, you and I have worked together and I, I understand that you are very active in a couple of organizations, one in particular, Napapa. So why don't you tell us about that and tell us about what other organizations you might be a part of? Sure. So I've been serving on the Napapa Board of Governors first two years was, I think it started in 2019, uh, 1920. Uh, so for the last four years, I'm, I've been on the Board of Governors for Napapa. Just this past year, I've been serving as the chair of the Governors Committee for Napapa's board. And in these last four years, I mean, it's been a lot of different hats that I've been wearing in different different ways. For the entirety of it, it's been representing the Northeast region. And uh, technically, this is my last year on the board. But uh, I, I do have some thoughts on possibly running for something in the future. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. With that said, prior to that, I was, and currently I'm presently serving on the Korean American Lawyers Association of Greater New York on their board of governors. I've been doing that since uh, 2018. And then simultaneously, I was also very active with the Asian American Bar Association of New York as their litigation co-chair between 2018 and 2020. I guess if I were to summarize a lot of these volunteer things that I've been doing, uh, frankly, it was a lot of times stemmed from my desire to find some community with the lawyers that I was working with and in so doing, trying to make some good headway and changes in the communities that we interact with on a daily basis. And through those volunteer efforts, I was able to make some really good friends and people who I call Ohana. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, quite a journey progressing through these ranks and uh, growing with these different organizations, especially through a pandemic. Absolutely. And Nicole, how about you tell us about what organizations you're involved with? What James said about finding community put me in mind of the organization that I co-founded with a couple of my friends here in Austin called the League of Lady Lawyers. And that is a peer-to-peer networking organization for female attorneys in Austin. And what I think is special about the group is that it's focused on young female attorneys and there is no barrier to access. There's no membership fee. There is no requirement other than you are a young woman who is also a lawyer. We founded that group because we found ourselves with a lot of questions that we were afraid to ask anyone but each other early in our legal careers. And we reasoned that if that was the case for us, that it was probably the case for a lot of other young women lawyers. So we kind of came together to create a space where people could ask questions of each other and help each other and lift each other up. So that's the reason I founded that group. That was back in 2019. But even before that, I've been really focused on trying to use my position as an attorney to give back to the community in whatever way possible. In 2016, I had my first child and After I came back from maternity leave, I learned about this organization called the Austin Diaper Bank. I never heard about it before. And in my place of, you know, immense privilege in the world, it never occurred to me that there would be families out there that struggled to afford this really basic necessity. So I joined the board of that organization in 2017. I served for a period of time as the chair of the development committee on that organization. I rolled off in 2020 and I continue to serve on their development committee because it's a cause that's very near and dear to my heart. I also um, recruited another attorney in my office to join the board when I rolled off so that I could make sure that Littler continued to support that organization because I love it so much. And then finally, I am currently serving on the board of the Texas Freedom Network 
which is an advocacy organization here in Austin that does a lot of work on behalf of different marginalized communities. Fantastic. Well, early, let's turn to you now for your journey. What drew you to become an active member or part of the leadership cohort for those groups that you're a part of? So for me, at the time, I had just immigrated from India. I didn't know anybody in Houston's legal market, let alone anyone in the city. So I just thought if I became a part of these different organizations, I would learn more about where I could take my legal career, what interested me, and just learn more about the landscape. As far as taking on like a leadership role at the Houston Young Lawyers Association is concerned, I always enjoyed the mission and programming. I think it gave a lot of young lawyers and students the opportunity to learn about their legal career, their trajectory, by not just doing the typical CLEs, but actually going out in the community and giving pro bono services and helping those actually in need. The DNI committee that I co-chair specifically fundraises for a scholarship every year that benefits the three Houston area law schools that we have. And as someone like myself, who's benefited greatly from scholarships that are similar to this, I really appreciated the effort to be able to fundraise and to be able to help a student or several students who feel the pinch of that law school tuition and that fees for the books and things like that to just help alleviate some of that burden. Yeah. And, and speaking, I know you mentioned pro bono work. I uh, just want to take a moment. You, you've also been recognized recently for your pro bono efforts. You want to just kind of give a quick mention as to what it was for? Sure. So recently, I had the opportunity to work with another colleague of ours, Drew Selden from the Chicago office. And we worked with the NIJC or the National Immigration Justice Center. And we were able to help one of our clients secure a T visa. He was the victim of human trafficking and was on some removal proceedings. And we were able to stay those removal proceedings. So that was really it was a great feeling as an immigrant myself to be able to tell him that, hey, we've gotten you this visa, you're allowed to stay here, it was especially meaningful. So turning to my next question, you know, I, for me at least, uh, my identity as an Asian American, Japanese American has played a huge role in my involvement with the things that I do outside of work, whether that's the nonprofit organizations I'm with, the community service that I participate in. So I wanna ask you all, do you find that your identity has either helped or hindered or impacted your participation or the your leadership like within the groups that you're a part of? And Nicole, let's start with you. I definitely was raised to prioritize the community, the group, the family, and think about my actions in terms of what benefits the greater good. In terms of my personal identity, I don't feel like it's really hindered me or helped me as it relates to being selected to serve in these organizations or joining these organizations. But I will say that I have seen a concerted effort in the last several years, and I would probably tie that back to George Floyd's murder in 2020, the effort being for nonprofit boards and other organizations to really focus on diversifying their leadership and making sure that their boards represent the communities they serve. And I've been so proud to see folks make that change and focus in that way because I think it's hard to serve a community if you're not a member of that community, truly a member of that community. Yes, agreed. Orvi, how about you? Do you find that your identity, and I, I think you, you touched on this a little bit, right? But I'm uh, wondering if you could talk a little bit more. 
when I moved here, I didn't know a single lawyer, let alone a lawyer who looked like me. So I actively sought that out and actively sought out to be a part of a community or be a part of a family or an organization of people that honestly felt a little bit like home. So for me, that was a big driving force. And I think to Nicole's point, the communities that we serve in, there's a a redefining moment of what leaders look like and to eradicate some sort of a bias in different organizations that we all serve in. And I think my identity has helped me in the sense that I have now, I want to find other lawyers that look like me or other lawyers who are female, other lawyers of color, other minority lawyers, and give them the same position that I have gotten and give them this safe space for them to really be their authentic selves and to give them a stepping stone for them to help aid their legal careers and their pursuits, whatever that may be. Yeah, I think, you know, you touched on a really big part of what servant leadership is, is like uplifting, right? Other other individuals and, and trying to get the best out of them and, and wanting to encourage greater participation from them. So I'm really pleased to hear that. And James, I, I know you, your organizations that you're a part of, you know, are Asian American ethnic focus, right? So can you talk about whether your identity has impacted or, you know, helped hindered you? Sure. So the identity question is interesting because I feel like as lawyers, we are often asked to represent other people's interests in various settings, uh, corporate boardrooms to courtrooms to, and oftentimes uh, you prepare as much as you can, but you have to be able to communicate things well. But within our profession itself, we often tear ourselves in terms of how long you've been practicing. And we often put these kind of like, well, you don't know anything about this because I've been doing it for 30 years and you've only been doing it for 10 or something along those lines. And I found that in a lot of the Asian oriented uh, boards that I'm part of, there was a lot of like posturing that I'd see happen. And as uh, when I was first starting off as an attorney, I would find myself kind of coming up to, well, where's my value? Where, where do I stand in this like totem pole of attorneys that are all kind of g- gathering together? I think in terms of shaping my own value, especially the leadership side of things, was it, it made me realize that I got to recognize that I'm supposed to be in this room and that I have something to add to the conversation and that I can really be part of the process of bringing this organization to the next level, if you will. Uh, I remember when I was first starting at the Papa's board, one of the big things was that uh, we hadn't had a strategic plan to see where we were going to go through for the next five years in, in a long period of time. So I, I saw through that then present was Bonnie Wolf and A.B. Cruz. They set this uh, five-year plan in place. And that really set the groundwork for many of the board members and the people who are involved in the organization to have something to latch onto to grow the organization, bring it towards its future. And I feel like our organization has really improved based on that strategic plan. But I guess bringing it back to the original question about identity, if we as attorneys let our perceptions of who we are dictate how we approach, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice. But obviously with a grain of salt, with with a sober understanding of where we are, that's valuable in and of itself. But you also have to hold on to the understanding that you pass the bar. You represent clients all the time in big settings. And 
you can be making contributions to the conversation, really make an impact on the organization. And holding on to that identity, I think has been huge. So I want to thank you all, the three of you, for really taking the time and sharing your, you know, your experiences, your knowledge, your wisdom. And if I may, I just want to give a quick plug for the other podcast that Littler has put together for Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and that's sharing stories of leadership through opportunities in the U.S. military. So I would highly encourage that you go check that out if you haven't already. And thank you again, Nicole, James, Ruby. Really appreciate you and look forward to seeing you guys soon. Thank you.